Hey, it's good to be back with you. Uh, as always, we pray we're a blessing to you. And I hope you share this with other people. Get them connected with this. And this can be a, a great sense of encouragement and challenge for you. And uh, again, thanks for uh, either watching or listening or both, whatever you're doing. <clears throat> we're uh, a little by little, we've uh, gotten into a little bit of a system here and a theme of uh, spiritual rhythms that started last Sunday. And we're going to do that again with Micah 6, 8. I've been a lot in the New Testament. I guess you could look at me and say that I, I favor the New Testament. That's really not the truth. But uh, today I do want to go to the Old Testament, intentionally go to the Old Testament, and let you see a great verse that has a great spiritual rhythm to it. And it's on what the Lord requires. It's Micah 6, 8. Let me read it to you. Uh, says, mankind, he has told you what is good and, and uh, what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness. You may have a version that says love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to, our, to the Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge to give to me to speak to those listening or watching uh, Lord, if you if you do that, I uh, just trust your sovereignty on that, your timing on that. Uh, if you give it to me, I do want to be obedient to speak to it. And then, uh, Lord, you look at all of us, but you see me differently. Uh, I'm, a, I'm under a greater judgment, more strict judgment. I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your words. In the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. Uh, the setting here, Micah, is warning Israel, Judah, about coming judgment and uh, the there's inappropriate worship uh, they're including prostitution into their idol worship <clears throat> there's false prophets there's corrupt leadership there's people taking bribes in leadership they love evil over loving good uh, they take advantage of people uh, as they have prospered they uh, take advantage of people who had who hadn't prospered uh, and then uh, a caste system is already developing among the people, meaning if you're born in poverty, you stay in poverty. If you're born in wealth, you stay in wealth. And so really he's speaking to Israel's sin and their rebellion. And then even later on gets into the rescue, which is where we're going to be. Uh, uh, if you want to know this little bit of history about Micah 6 8, uh, in our, our nation with us in the United States, uh, in the uh, Library of Congress, the Congressional Library, in the main meeting room, uh, Micah 6-8 is etched uh, and carved into, there's an engraving of that verse uh, in that meeting room in, uh, in the Library of Congress, Micah 6-8. So in chapter 6, uh, he literally is, uh, the Lord is inviting Israel into a lawsuit and it's, it's actually true because uh, uh, the, the, the picture that you need to be able to see here is in verse 2, he actually calls it a lawsuit. And I, I want to read it to you, Micah 6, 1 through 5, quickly. He said, now listen to what the Lord is saying. Rise, uh, he's telling Israel, Judah, to, to rise, plead your case before the mountains. Uh, let the hills hear your voice. Uh, in other words, creation is the jury. All right, is the jury. Um, he said, listen to the Lord's lawsuit, uh, you mountains and enduring foundations of the earth, because the Lord has a case against his people. So he's bringing them to court. 
and uh, he will argue it against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? He says, what have I done to you? Or what have I or how have I wearied you? He goes, go ahead and testify against me. And in verse four, he says, indeed, I brought you from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from that place of slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, Miriam ahead of you. My people remember what Balak, uh, the, the king of Moab proposed, what Balaam, son of Beor, how he answered him and what happened at the Acacia Grove and Gilgal and uh, so that you may, so that you, you may acknowledge the Lord's righteous acts. Um, he's using creation as the jury, but he's telling them, try to find something against me. Try to find something against me that I haven't done for you. And, uh, I, but he, he's telling them, I want to remember, I want you to remember what I have done for you is what he's, what he's handling here. Uh, and so the defendants, the people, they respond in verse six and seven. And here's what they say. What, what should I bring before the Lord when I come to bow down before him on high? Uh, should, I, should I come before him with burnt offerings, uh, with year old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands or even uh, of thousands of rams or, or 10,000 streams of oil? Uh, should I give my firstborn for my transgression, the child of my body for my own sin? Uh, I, I want you to see what's going on here. They're getting a little bit snarky, all right? They're getting a little bit sarcastic here. Uh, a lot of their response has a lot of exaggeration or for you English majors, hyperbole. It's a little bit, they're, they're taking it a little bit to the extreme. And uh, they are like, well, well, you want you want you want burnt offerings of year old calves, which would be something incredible. Uh, you want thousands of rams. You want rivers of oil, or do you want our firstborn? You know what? Uh, do you want our children? You know what? What do you want? If you have this against us, God, what do you want in return to that? And so he responds. Uh, Micah responds with verse eight, mankind, he has told you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, love faithfulness and to walk humbly with your God. Um, God's looking for obedience. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for uh, jacked up ways to give sacrifice and then you to be proud of it uh, and for God to be mesmerized by it. I mean, just stop and think for a moment. Let's use some common sense here. I'm a whole counsel of God preacher that's, and teacher. That's what I am. I like that. That's the way I study his word. And uh, let's try to get you to match your sacrifice to his sacrifice, <laughs> okay? Let's try to get you to match that. Uh, he gave his son for us, heaven's best for us, and uh, I don't know that he's going to be overwhelmed by any sacrifice you and I give. So here they are being a little bit snarky going, you know, year old calves, thousands of rams, rivers of oil. Okay, God, I'll give you my firstborn. I'll give you my children. Second uh, Chronicles 16.9 is, is a life verse for me. It says, for the eyes of uh, the Lord, Yahweh, roam throughout the earth, to show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely his. 
And then the latter part is a message to Asa, the king. Uh, you've been foolish in this matter, therefore you will have wars from, from now on. And uh, the, the picture here is the eyes of the Lord are looking over the earth to find hearts that are loyal to his. He's looking for obedience when it comes to this. When it comes to obedience and sacrifice, look what Samuel says. 1 Samuel 5, 15, 22. Then Samuel said, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Samuel says this, look, to obey is better than sacrifice. And listen to this, listen, don't, don't overlook. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. And uh, the fat of rams was a great sacrifice. And I, I put this in here because I'm being a little snarky. Uh, that's for people on the keto diet, okay? The fat of rams there. If you're not on the keto diet, you're not gonna get it. But the, 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 he says to pay attention. To pay attention is better than the sacrifice uh, of the fat of rams, just literally paying attention to what's going on. So um, he's looking for obedience. That's what the Lord is looking for. And he gives them that, Micah responds to that in verse eight. Listen, God doesn't want a ritual relationship with us, okay? Too many times we walk into a house of worship and we walk out the same way. I don't believe that's the intention. I, I believe every time, and I'm the preacher, Logan's the worship leader, Tyra's a member, a part of our staff. It, it just encourages people in their spiritual formation everywhere she goes. I don't believe it's intended for us to ever come in the presence of God. Now, I want you to listen to me and leave exactly the same way we came into it. And I mean every time. I don't believe, I believe something. Something should be changed or encouraged in my life every time I'm in the presence of God. He doesn't want a ritual relationship. He wants a want-to relationship. Like, what, what, are you, what are you doing with me? I, I want to be able to serve you in a way that, it is, that I've never served you before. He wants a get-to relationship, meaning we have this opportunity to walk with our God in an incredible way. He doesn't want you to have a have-to relationship, like I, I have to go. Obedience is a picture that's given in verse eight. Uh, he's to, to act justly, love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with our God. I want you to see that verse eight has a really good rhythm to it. And it is an obedient rhythm. It's a spiritual rhythm that he has. And he tells us, um, Micah says to them, that God has already told you this. This is not good, this is not new news. That God has already told you, and it's good. This is good, and it's what he requires. Uh, I uh, wrote in my notes here as I was writing this sermon, and actually this week I've been writing other sermons for the future, but I, uh, uh, I grew up on a farm. You, in my time of growing up, in the 60s and the 70s, you, um, you loaned yourself out to other farmers. Not only did my dad lease a farm and have cattle and all of what we did, and, but you, you loaned yourself out. That's how, you, that's how we bought our motorcycles and how we got gas for our cars and, and uh, mini bikes and whatever it is we had. And uh, uh, so I had to learn each farmer. I don't know if you know what that means. I had to learn what he required. 
some farmers and let's, let's go talking about tobacco and you may not you may think that's the worst thing in the world for me to talk about this what i worked in as a kid and some farmers were really picky and i get it i'm not putting them down but they didn't want you stepping on the tail you know their tobacco stalks they didn't want leaves falling off uh, they didn't want stalks split out when you're putting it in the barn you know they so i had to figure out what this farmer want you know what he require some farmers i worked for like they didn't care if you stepped on them they didn't care if leaves broke off just get just get the stuff in the barn same way with hay uh you know of of how they wanted it loaded and how they wanted it unloaded and how high they wanted it and you just had to figure out what does the farmer require and it would differ. I'd have to learn my farmers. Well, this farmer, he's a little more lenient. This farmer's a little more strict. So if I was gonna be a good worker, I had to figure out what they wanted. But then it showed me what I should be no matter where I go, right? Uh, to help set the standard for that. And uh, the Lord here has already told him what he wanted. And he wants them to follow him. Uh, I, but I want to know, don't you as a believer, I want to know what does he require. I don't want to guess at it. I, I don't want to just be walking in the dark. And obviously, if you follow the Lord, you're not. You're walking in light. But you get the point. I don't want to guess at what, what is it that he wants me to do. So we're going to deal with the first part of, uh, of, of this spiritual rhythm that he gives in, in Micah 6.8. And that is we are to act justly. We are to act justly. Uh, it is about social justice whether there's fatherlessness and taking care of widows and orphans and, uh, and, and you know, giving a defense for the defenseless. But it's not only that. It, it, it can include, so and does include social justice. But it's not the focus on me getting people to live other ways. Now, I'm, I'm going to encourage you and going to challenge you, but I can't make you. So I was just in a conversation with our, our secretary this week, and I said, I said, if I could make people live right, I'd have done it a long time ago. And I can't, I can't make you live right. But I can tell you what he requires, just like Micah. I'm not a prophet, I'm a preacher. Micah, we list him as a prophet, but uh, I can tell you what he asks of us. And uh, it, this part of acting justly is really about you doing the right thing. And I don't mean the moral right thing. You know, you're not a believer in doing the moral. I'm talking about what is the kingdom right thing to do? What is the kingdom thing that I do? How should I respond in the kingdom of God? How should I do that? So act justly is really a focus on you doing the right kingdom thing. The second part of this of verse eight in our spiritual rhythm here is love faithfulness, love mercy. The picture of this is a covenant, not a contract, but a covenant that you're a, that you're a person of your word, uh, that you live that way, and you love being faithful. I, I wanna I wanna be faithful to Tyra. I've made promises to Tyra a long time ago, as a pastor. More than that, big brother, sometimes a dad, you know, sometimes Uncle Jeff, sometimes Papa G, you know. I, I but I, I want to live faithfully even among my staff. I want, to live I want to live faithfully with my wife, Julie. I want to live faithfully for Andrew and Laura now, and, and, and all that they are and who they're connected to. I want to live faithfully for the people of our church. Listen, I think it's fun to love faithfulness and do the faithful thing. 
just do the faithful thing. It's a picture of covenant. Uh, it's a picture of mercy. Mercy is we give people what they, we hold off what they actually do deserves. You know, we hold back on that. We have mercy, we give it to other people. The picture of loving faithfulness is a, is a constant love, a loyal love. Now I'm a country boy and I'm gonna say this, and this, I, I know my accent is country and there's not a really a dumb thing I can do about it, but I, I say this to people a lot. Sometimes they'll thank me for their friendship and for loving them. And here's what I tell them, okay? It may, you're either gonna laugh or throw something, uh, throw something at your phone or whatever you, you're watching this with or listening with, but I tell people I'm like a war. You really don't get rid of a war, right? You don't get rid of it. It just moves and pops up somewhere else. So when I tell people, I say, listen, I'm like a war. You can't get rid of me and I'm going to pop up somewhere. You know, that that is a have fun with that, if you will, at my expense. Have fun with that. But it is a constant love. It is a loyal love. You know, you're not going to get me to stop loving you. And I can only do that because his love compels me and he loved me first. And I can love you in that way because I'm going to love you. All right. I, my intention is to be able to love you. The, the loving faithfulness is a picture of carrying through, finishing strong. Uh, we love being faithful, even when it's tough, even when the current is telling us not to be faithful, but to love being faithful, even though it's, it's tough at times, and the toughness that it takes to remain faithful, love faithfulness. That's what he wants. That's what he requires. The third one in, this, in this, these three points of spiritual rhythm here is walk humbly. The word humbly used here is a rare word or a, a rare use of the word humbly. It's only here in Proverbs 11.2. And, uh, and let me read Proverbs 11 too. Only two places in the scripture where this is used. So when pride comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. Only two places they use the word, this word humbly that is here. And we know the word walk is to, is to, is to live, to live carefully. I, I use Colossians 2.6 a lot in discipleship. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in him, live in him. So what we have to watch out for with being humble and walking humbly, we have to watch pride here. Pride is the contrast here. It's the com comparison contrast here. It's the opposite. In uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, John writes this, For everything that belongs to the world, to the world, okay, get that, pay attention, the lust of the flesh, we all know what that is. The lust of the eyes, we know what that is. And the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Now, um, when, I, when I got my doctorate, and I remember uh, getting, I already knew I had it. Uh, I was graduating from it. It's something that I promised my dad, uh, literally on his dying bed. It's something that I promised him. Is a promise I made to him, and then just a few hours later, my dad passed away, and uh, I wanted to keep it. I wanted to keep it as a picture of love, faithfulness, and covenant, and all that. I wanted to keep that. So I remember when all the final 
attributes came in that I had finished my doctoral degree. And uh, we we have a split level home and I got it in the mail and, and uh, my dissertation, my, my project was all bound in leather and marked and and uh, it was a book and I remember sitting there holding it and I sat on the steps and I just wept. I just wept. Now I'd accomplished it. Was I proud of that? I was proud of that. Yes. I, I, we're not we're not talking about we're not talking about you uh, having a goal and reaching it and we're not talking about that. What we're talking about here is the pride of life is that you have taken God off the throne and you've put yourself on it. That's what we're talking about. It's a big difference there. Proverbs 16:8 says this. Uh, it says, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. It, war it warns us that it's not going to stay there. So when, when, is, when, when is, or what is the sin of pride? <clears throat> uh, what is the sin in pride? And it's what I've already said to you. It's where you believe that you have arrived on your own. When I got that <clears throat> doctoral uh information that said I'd finished. I knew I didn't get there by myself. <clears throat> okay, I knew that. People had given to me financially. <clears throat> uh, uh, Julie had given, the kids had, <clears throat> our church had as far as their prayers for me. Our staff uh, took up uh, the slack, you know, so I could do it. Uh, I knew I wasn't dethroning God and throning myself. I knew I didn't get there without the work of God. That's a difference, complete difference. But it's when you dethrone him and you put yourself there and you are God. I did it. I got there on my own. Uh, your prosperity, if you're thinking you got that because of your creativity and your intuition, you are badly fooled. It's only by the grace of God that that's happened. You can look at Elon Musk and all that he's bought recently and all that he all that he threatens to buy and a lot of it's just a joke, you know? Uh, but uh, you're going, man, this guy's sharp and he got there on his own. No, he didn't. Uh, let me let, let, read scripture and find out who owns the cattle on the hills. Ooh, hallelujah. Okay? You, you look at, you're gonna have to look at that you can't, pride happens when you take him off the throne and you place yourself there. Uh, and it, it, it usually comes in the picture of prosperity. So we, we get back and uh, we look at uh, verses one through five in chapter six, and I'm not gonna read them to you again, but he, he tells them in his lawsuit to them, and he goes testify against me, which is like, Try it, I don't think you can. He's telling them to remember everything I've done for you. Everything that I have done for you. So here's a challenge of a really part of all this and a good spiritual rhythm. Don't forget what he's done. Don't forget what he's led you through. All, it, it, he intends for us to look back and to see his faithfulness. And he loves faithfulness. <laughs> And he wants you to love it too. That's the act of obedience. So what does he require of these people who have sinned and rebelled against him? It's what he's already told them. And it's what he's already told me and you. Act justly, okay? Do the right kingdom thing. Love being faithful to you. To, I wanna be faithful to my staff. I wanna be faithful to my family. 
I want to be faithful even to my neighbors, literal address neighbors. I just, I, I, I want people to see faithfulness here. Why? Because when I see my God, that's what I see too, is I'm able to be able to see faithfulness and then walk humbly. Don't, don't walk and live like you've arrived and you did all this and I did all that and I got there by myself. You need to look back and be reminded of what he has done for you and what he has brought this way. The Prince of Preachers is uh, known to be Charles Spurgeon. Let me tell you what, uh, just give you a little something that, um, that he, uh, he wrote and I want to read to you. And it's, I've got it in a little bit smaller print, so hang on with me for a moment. Uh, he says, so walking with God means being with God always, being with Him in common things, being with Him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as well as the Sabbath. It means being with Him when you're in the shop, being with Him when you're in the kitchen or you're in the field or you're feeling His presence when you're buying and selling and doing business and trade in weighing and measuring because you know they would weigh things back then. This is in, in, a, in, a, in a different time in our history. And sometimes people would cheat with their scales in weighing and measuring, in plowing and reaping. Do as for the Lord the most common acts of your life. Walk with Him in this and walk in obedience. Okay, you got it? Good spiritual rhythm here, all right? Good spiritual rhythm here and that is Act justly, do the right kingdom thing, love faithfulness, be faithful to everybody, and then uh, to walk humbly with your God. You got that? Thanks for being with us today. We pray that's a good challenge to you and your spiritual rhythm. And uh, remember, we love you, and you know what we say to each other before we leave this place. Grace and peace. Make sure you live in both of them. God bless you.